0: I'm going to share tonight two stories. The first story is about how Abishon Bar Yochai was born. This week we're celebrating L'Aqba Omer, the day of the joy of Abishiman, the day of incredible miracles and wonders, and a day that not just many miracles and wonders happened on that day, but it's a Yom Zakai, it's a day of great merit that... Um, that people wait for all year in order to ask for um, for for blessings and for good things. Um different the time of the Rebbe there was um there was a um, uh, oops I fixed that hold on yeah time in the Mitlarev, um people would wait all year for Latva Omer, because the Mithra Rebbe go out to the field and give unique blessings. And so too, uh, by, our, by our Rebbe, people would wait all year, especially for this day, to ask Rebbe for blessings, especially for children. And what's not so known is that Rabbi Shuma Yochai himself was born through incredible miracle. This is uh, recounted in the Sefer Nachat Avot. And that Sefer discusses how Rabbi Shmuel Yochai was born. And I'm not sure if this is why his day of celebration is associated with blessing, specifically for all wonders, but especially for blessing for children, but it it may be connected. Shem Yochai's father, Yochai, was a very wealthy person, very respected person, the leader of the generation. His wife's name was Sarah, and she was a grandchild of Hill Hazakin, of the author of the Mishnah Hillel, the leader of the generation. And they were married for many years, without children. And the Talmud says that uh, in certain situations, the husband and wife should get divorced if they can't have children. And her husband, Yochai, after so many years not having children, he was thinking about um, this may be what he is meant to do. So his wife was uh, was very upset. And she started to fast and she started to pray and uh gives to asking Hashem that um that she should have a child. So came the night of Rosh Hashanah. Oh Yosef. Yosef Good night Sadik Rosh Hashanah and uh Yochai, Yochai has a dream. In his dream he um he sees um many trees some trees have uh have fruit some trees are barren and while he's he is in this in this beautiful garden with all these trees he's leaning against he's leaning against one tree himself he's leaning against a tree that tree he's leaning on is barren but all other the many other trees around him some have fruit some don't have fruit and then he sees someone carrying water and the person carrying water is is pouring water into some of the trees. And some as soon as he pours water in the trees, the trees give fruit. But when he came to his tree, he didn't just use the regular bucket of water that he had, he took out a small flask of water and this flask of Mayim Chaim, of living water, he poured onto this tree that he was leaning on. And uh, and, and then all of a sudden his tree also gave fruit. All of a sudden it blossomed and, and fruit came out of that tree as well. So he wakes up from his dream. And he tells his wife, he's very excited, very happy about the dream. As soon as he woke up, he had a verse in his in his tongue. He was thinking of a verse that we say in Hallel. God takes a barren woman and makes her to become a happy mother of children. So he was thinking, like this is. There's also a good sign. He woke up with this verse torn his, his lips, and he shared the, the dream with his wife. and He told his wife that what he feels the dream is about, like this. It was in Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the time when Hashem makes a decision what's going to happen to the world. And he felt that the trees are the women, and the trees with fruit are the women who have are blessed with children, and the trees without fruit are the women who are not yet blessed with children. And so he felt that the tree he was leaning on was his wife. And she wasn't blessed yet with the child, therefore the tree didn't have fruit. But then God brought a blessing to all these trees that they will give birth. And so this is a blessing he felt for his wife, that she will have a child this year. That's what he said. But he said to his wife, I'm just wondering, what's the meaning of the flask of water? In the dream, the man I saw in the dream, he poured into all the different trees uh, water, but into my tree he took out a flask, different, a different flask than the bucket he was using for everyone else. What's the meaning of that of that flask? So his wife said, "I don't know, but let's go ask Rabbi Akiva." They went to see Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi, his wife said, "Your question is a question. Let's go see Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva has divine inspiration. Surely God will give him the the uh, spirit to be able to." Tell us the meaning of your dream. So he's very excited about this. And they go together to see Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva said that your interpretation of the dream is correct. The trees, the water, it's all correct. Shoshana, it's all correct. The meaning of the flask is as, as follows. Rabbi Akiva said, all the other trees, they were destined to give fruit. They were meant to have children. All other women were, were meant, they were destined to have children. However, your wife Sarah, she wasn't. Destined to have a child, it wasn't in the cards. It wasn't something that was that was going to happen organically. But because she prayed and because she fasted, and because she gave charity, her prayers were accepted, and that's why you will be blessed with a child. That's why he took out a flask. The flask was her, her tears. The flask of her tears. That's what caused her tree to uh, to give fruit. So they baruch Hashem, They went home and. Uh, there are different opinions about when Abishman was born. Some say he was born on Lagba Omer. Some say he was born on Shavuos. Uh, many things happen, by the way, to Roshim Yechoy on Lagba Omer. Uh, for example, um the famous story in the Gemara about how the world needed rain, they came to Roshim to ask for a blessing for rain, and instead of praying for rain, he just said the words of Torah about how beautiful it is when brothers sit together, and as soon as he said this teaching, the rain came down. So... Um, so that happened also likebo well, many many revelations of Torah and miracles happened on that day anyway, so they gave birth his wife gave birth to a child and they decided to call him Shimon. Why to call him Shimon because Shimon means to hear to so call him Shimon to represent how God had heard her prayers and had blessed them with a child. L'chaim, l'chaim, l'chaim the first story I want to share tonight second story I want to share is about Rabbi Mordechai Gorelick, who is from Nacho Tzachobar. And he shared an interesting um, story that he had with the Roshimba Yochai of our times, of the rebbe And this was back in 1971, in the summertime, in Tashkent, in Russia. There was no one getting at that time visas to leave Russia. But um, things started to change and some people were getting um, getting getting accepted to, to be able to leave. And so at that time, his father also presented a request to leave Russia, and he was refused the first time, the second time, and the third time. So then his father wrote a letter to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said in response to his father that his father should travel to Almatah, to the resting place of the Rebbe's father, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, and there he should ask for a bracha from Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, and he should say the customary book of prayers that's said by, um, by a great that the special prayers that are said by the resting place of a tzaddik, and certainly Hashem will send the salvation, and they should not be afraid. That's what the Rebbe said. They should travel to his father, ask for a blessing, say the special book of prayers, not to be afraid, the salvation will surely come. Their cousin, Rabbi Gershon Bear Jacobson, he sent them a picture of the Rebbe, a famous picture where the Rebbe is standing by the door of the 770, he's holding a book, and apparently this this, this instruction came from the Rebbe, Rabbi, rabbi Gershon Bear who sent them this picture and told them that they should, each of them, um his his brothers and him and his father, they should all make copies of this picture, and they should hold this picture in their pockets when they travel to to the Rebbe's father's gravesite. And they shouldn't be afraid, and so they all went together, uh, Rebbe Chaim Eliezer, who, um, Chaim Eliezer, who has lived in Melbourne I had the privilege to know he passed away already, Chaim Eliezer and Sholom and Mordechai all together went with their father and also their cousin, their cousin, uh, um, Chaim Elazar Belenkin, who loved to take pictures, he took with him a camera. So, they got to the Ohel of Rebbe's father. And he took many, many pictures of it. And, uh, shir- shortly after they returned from their trip to Al-Matah, Shalom Bear, his brother and his family received a visa. And, uh, Mordechai and his wife also received the visa. But, he said, my father and mother and my brother, Chaim Elazar, who was not yet married, they did not receive any visa. They weren't, they, we got permission, Shalom Bear, I, Mordechai, Banachai, Melazar, not my mom and dad. So he leaves, he leaves, um, Russia, he arrives in Israel about 52 years ago, the 21st of Av, 1971, and immediately he wanted to prepare to, to see the Rebbe, to read, to arrive by the Rebbe for Tishrei in, uh, the following year, and he worked very hard, but he wasn't able to get there in time for Shoshana. He got there right before Yom Kippur. You know, before Yom Kippur, um, he uh, got lekach from the Rebbe. And he merited to have an audience with the Rebbe. In the audience, the Rebbe asked him a few questions. Who has arrived? What are the names of your friends? And he also, of course, asked for bracha for his father and mother, and for his brother Elazar that they should also leave Russia. The Rebbe responded, your father is still needed there. It was very hard, of course, for him to hear that, but that's what the Rebbe said, your father is still needed there. So the month of Tishrei with all of its passes, and he again goes into the Rebbe for another audience before going back to Israel, and he gave to the Rebbe all the pictures from his visit to the Rebbe's father's gravesite. And the um, Rebbe took out a magnifying glass, they started looking at the pictures, and they started asking questions. The Jewish, there's no Jewish gravesite then in al Al-Mata Instead, the, um, the this gravesite, this 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 um, cemetery rather. This cemetery was a um, cemetery where there were Jews and the al jews was buried there. And the Rebbe wanted to know how far was the Rebbe's father's grave from the neighboring graves. He didn't really know the answer to the many questions I ever had. But then the Rebbe started looking out of the window and he felt that the Rebbe wasn't there. The Rebbe looked out the window and the Rebbe started to ask this this man, Mordechai, the Rebbe started to ask him, what's your opinion? Do you think it's possible to bring my father's remains here to New York? Is it possible to make some kind of transfer between these two countries Of of, of has this been done before? But the Rebbe is looking at him but although I was looking at him, he feels I was not really talking to him. I was talking to Hashem. And then, without him saying anything, the Rebbe just said to himself, sort of, Zoshan Bly Let it should remain the way it is. And I want to ask you, said the Rebbe to Rabbi Mordechai Gurelik, I want to ask you to please tell your father that I want him to, to uh, uh, fix up the monument next to my father's uh, Ohel. So this um, monument was originally placed by the Rebbe's father's ohel in um, 1944 during the war, and apparently the the people who did it weren't experts, didn't have money, and the uh, it was a bit of um, wasn't wasn't very nice. There was it wasn't made from um, it was it had to like put pieces of of, of marble together to make this monument. And it wasn't very the, the engraving wasn't very um uh professional. And there's also a word that it wasn't very clear, and the um Rebbe gave ten things, ten instructions of what to do for a new monument. Rebbe said they should use a new stone, um they use the same language of the original stone. Um they, they didn't put Schneerson on Rebbe's father's grave originally because they didn't want, of course, to irk the ire of the KGB. Uh, that name, you know, was the name of the enemy of the government. Rebbe um, said they should keep the mug and David on. The, they had a mug and David on it because it was because it was among all other non-Jewish graves. So therefore, they put a mug and David to show this is a Jewish grave. They said keep the mug and David. Rebbe said don't um, use screws to attach the um, new stone to the grave. Uh, the old the old stone had four screws. And Nebuchadnezzar said not to only use cement in the new one. And Nebuchadnezzar said make this as nice as possible and that the one who does the engraving should be a Jew who keeps Torah mitzvah. A Jew is Orthodox. Nebuchadnezzar also said he wants to pay for all the costs of of putting up this tombstone and therefore they should keep a record of all the costs. And then Nebuchadnezzar started pouring blessings out for This Mordechai's Mordechai Rock's father and for his family. And Nebbi blessed Mordechai and thanked him for making this effort. And this whole audience was a pretty long relative audience. It took about 24 minutes. So he left there of his room. It was, it was, um, it was a very unique audience and he sat down upstairs in 770 to make sure he didn't forget anything. And he was afraid he would, you know, there's a lot of details. He was afraid he might forget something. And so he wrote wrote down everything and Immediately, he, he gave the message to his father, and his father made an effort, and they found a good stone. The problem was to find an engraver who was religious. They looked for someone like this in Tashkent. There's no one who was religious who does engraving in Tashkent. There's no one who was religious in Samarkand who did this either. They tried in Moscow, in Riga, and in Leningrad. And of course, you know, there's no faxes or WhatsApps or anything. They're just, just trying to find someone who is Orthodox who might know how to do this. They also didn't know what to do with the old tombstone. So they so Rabbi Grelk's father wrote to the Rebbe about these two issues. Number one, we don't know, we can't find someone religious who does engraving. Number two, we want to know what to do with the old tombstone. So three weeks go by, and no answer comes back from the Rebbe. And meanwhile, they found someone in Tashkent who was Orthodox. His name was Gavriel. And he said to them, I'm not really an engraver, but my father was an engraver. And I watched him, and I have all those tools. I could probably do it. I um, I just never did it before. So they put pressure on him, and they said to him, you should know it's a very unique thing to be able to do something for a tzaddik. And it's a certainly uh, um, it'll be a blessing for you. So he agreed, and um, they made an agreement with him that every day before he starts to work, he should go to the mikveh. And Chaim Lazar take to the mikvah every day. They had a mikvah underground. And then he would start to uh, start to work. So they, they agreed that it would take about a week to finish this job. And so he started at day one, went to mikvah, he worked, but on day two he didn't show up. He didn't show up on day three or day four. And what happened was he got him very, very sick. And he said, "I don't know if I can continue. He very sick, and I don't know if I can go on." But Rabbi Gorelik said to him, "You have a bracha from the Rebbe. You have to be healthy. You have to be able to continue this." So, miraculously, he got better. This was this shocked the doctors who took care of him. Uh, Rabbi Gorelik said that he once visited the Rebbe, and there was the the yearly international conference of quad rabbis, and he. Um, um sorry, it wasn't the one in New York. It was they had a conference for Chabad Rabbis in Russia in Al and he and Rabbi Gavriel said he met over there um, his son Zusha and a young man who's a Shliach today in Vienna. And he said, This Shliach in Vienna is a grandson of this same same Rabbi Gavriel who made the monument for the Rabbi's father's um uh, uh grave. So this grandson Told Rabbi Gorel, another detail of the story, which he didn't know. He heard this directly from his father, his grandfather Gavriel, and his grandfather said he was so sick that the doctors didn't give him any chance to survive. Because of this mitzvah, he survived with another 30 years, and he passed away about 10 years ago in Israel, and he also merited to be have an audience with the rabbi himself, and his grandson today is a Shliach in Vienna. So meanwhile, the job was finished, and they needed to bring this tombstone, this monument, to um, Al-Ma'ata, and to put it up there. So this, Chassidim heard about this, and 15 Chassidim decided to join, and to go to al together with Chaim Elazar and together with their, um, their father, um, and Yasin the Maiten, and they... Um, prepared workers there, and they started to, to try to set up this monument. Professor Branover also went there. He wanted to get a brach from his father also to be able to leave Russia. So they put up the monument, and they took pictures of it. And when they started to take down the old monument, it suddenly just, like, exploded, sort of. And they decided to just didn't didn't know what the, Rebbe, what the Rebbe wanted them to do with it because they never got an answer from the Rebbe, so they just left it there. They just buried it inside the... Um, Inside In that same place. So, after they fulfilled the Rebbe's request, immediately, they got the visas. The Rebbe said he still needed there. As soon as they did, the Rebbe asked him to do there Right away, they got the visas. Uh, this was in Tavis. And before Purim already, they arrived. They, they, they got the visas in Tavis. And before Purim, they already arrived in Israel. And uh, his father tried to get a visa to arrive at the Rebbe's to uh, New York for the Rebbe's birthday on the 11th of Nissen. Meanwhile, their oldest son, or Mordecai's oldest son, was born in the Zusha, the 4th of Nissan, His bris was going to be on the 11th of Nissen. He asked his father if he could stay for the bris, where his father was so excited, you know, wanted to be by the Rebbe, so he ended up missing the bris and going to the Rebbe. And they came to Crown Heights, his father came to Crown Heights, he stayed by his cousin, Rabbi Gashem, and he asked him, what happened? How come we never got an answer from the Rebbe? Krishna said, I got an answer from the Rebbe. Immediately, I sent it back. I know how I didn't get it. The Rebbe responded to your two questions. The question was, you can't find an Orthodox engraver. The Rebbe said, you're guide to If you will try, you will find. And the second thing you asked about, about the tombstone, what to do with it. The old one, the Rebbe said to bury it there. So miraculously, they didn't know what the Rebbe said, but both things happened. First of all, they found immediately this Gabriel, who was Orthodox and he did the engraving. Number two, the tombstone, the old tombstone broke on the spot, and they had to bury it, they just, decide, and they decide to bury it there, uh, with the divine providence. Anyway, so, um, the, uh, rabbi wanted to pay for everything, and rabbi, um, Mendel Gorelick, um, who, who had done all the, this work, he wanted to make it, he didn't really want, feel comfortable that the rabbi was going to pay for the whole expense, but the rabbi said, oh, Mendel, I want the chajmin sadek. I want an actual, honest, um, numbers of what it costs, they want to pay for it, and um but as you see that the Rebbe really wanted to bring his father's remains to New York, but he decided to that it should stay there in Russia. And apparently this is something that um is a source of, of blessing for all the Jewish people who are living there. And they can go to Rebbe's father's gravesite and ask for blessings. The Rebbe gave up his own desire apparently for in favor of helping all the Jews there, they should have that great merit instead of him. Um as point is that we're coming day Rabishum Yochai, a day when those who can go to Marone, those who can go to the Shemayi, our Arishum Yachi to New York, those who can't, to uh get there somehow, to write a letter to Rebbe, to send a letter, it's a great, great time to ask for blessings for all good things, and uh Shamshaka Fullaq which is ready tonight, see the Pele Shuskarevarets the, already the Simcha, the, they're already, they already celebrating Israel, Yehoi, for a week before, the custom is, as a ritual started, to celebrate the Agvahimer, a week before Agvahimer, so the celebration already began, so Switch so should merit, immediately to see, the real celebration, the Yeshua, of Shema Yochai, tell you one more story, before I let you guys go, Um I, I, I can't hold, hold myself in, it's such a good story, I was there, I probably shared it before, I, I don't know how old there was, uh, I was a child, in Worcester, Massachusetts, and my grandfather made a big parade in honor of Lakba Omer. And it was supposed to rain on the parade. And I had this, this sign I was carrying with this, this wooden, um, stick, which had a lot of, uh, wooden things in it that weren't uh, getting splinters from it. But I wanted to carry my sign despite the splinters. And, uh, and the problem was it was going to rain. So my grandfather asked the rabbi, what should we do? It's going to rain on our parade. So the rabbi said, you could rely on Shuman. I never forget it. I saw this all of a sudden before the parade. Skies open up. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful parade, and the and the parade goes on. And the parade finishes. And again, right after the parade was over, then it rained. After the parade was over, it was exactly like the Rebbe said. The line of Shimon, and we saw this. Don't worry. No, you don't. No The uh, skies opened up. Beautiful, beautiful parade. And then the parade is finished. Exactly after the parade finishes then it started to rain. So, whatever it is, the time of salvation, time of brachas, whatever each of us in our heart starts for good, we should see the fulfillment of them. And the Iker, the main thing is the innermost desire of every Jew, the of Mashiach, which sees see happen tonight. Thank you. and